okay? Good morning, everyone. So nice to see you all. It's interesting that um, we talk about the weather as it affects us. It's the external weather, but often we don't report the internal weather. <laughs> There's a climate within us and some of us have been expressing that climate, the weather that we experience internally. And hearing, hearing some of the expressions of um, the challenges that we face, I'm sort of inclined to open up our, uh, open up the Dharma talk today to, um, to you to express what you're feeling or what your thoughts are. Um, and I'm willing to do that if there's, if there's an interest in that. Um, if not, I, I will proceed to talk about what I had prepared. So I'd like to hear from, uh, from those of you who may wish to dedicate this time to sharing uh, thoughts and feelings about where we are at the moment. So maybe we will save that discussion uh, for after the talk. There may be something in the talk that um, is precipitating uh, your, your interest in speaking. Last week, we spoke about Kierkegaard's observation that we in our speech and in our intentions, we often build what he calls castles in the air. But often we live in shacks down the street. And last week we began the kind of challenging effort to look around in those shacks that we often live in uh, and see what's going on there and how those shacks have somehow um, not been built in a way that, that is worthy of human residence. <laughs> and um, we began to look at what, what gets in the way of living in the castle that we'd like to build for ourselves. Um, maybe, maybe we, maybe it's better not to talk about a castle, although um, 
I think we're speaking metaphorically of our ideal place, not, not a McMansion <laughs> that uses up all kinds of resources, but um, a place worthy of human habitation. And we began looking at the three poisons. Uh, and, and the first one we, we looked at was the poison of greed and how a kind of shack uh, of life can grow up around that poison. And we looked at the code of conduct that would be uh, an expression of a culture or a neighborhood or a way of living that was based on profit. And we saw how perhaps profit, the poison of profit was institutionalized in our consumer society, in the ways we behave toward one another and how we commodify things. We try to, um, to, to get as much as we can for as little as we need to put out. And that's not just financially, but in all kinds of other ways. This week, I want to look at the poison of aversion, aversion, sometimes translated as hatred or anger. And how that aversion, how that uh, anger, how that uh, re reaction, reactivity can produce a way of life that is guided by certain principles. Um, aversion is a response that, that wants things to be different from the way they are. It's, I don't want this. <laughs> that is the opposite of attachment of I want, I want more, I want this, I, this is, this is, this is good. Aversion is no, I don't want that. That is bad. I don't want things to be the way they are. And this aversion can take many, many forms. It can go all the way from a simple annoyance, like a dripping faucet. <laughs> you know, I, I just can't stand that anymore. <laughs> or, you know, an animal, like often Joanna talks about her animals coming in to break her concentration. You know, this is so annoying. Get away, <laughs> go away. Just, it could be as simple as that, but it can move from simple annoyance to a deep sense of irritability to a pervasive sense of ill will toward the world, it can, it, can, it, it can emerge as anger, 
It can emerge as aggression, as fury, as rage, and as war. So it can go all the way from a simple annoyance to war. And that can happen, we not, we not only have an aversion to things outside of ourselves, but we can also be averse to things within us. Things, I don't want things to be the way they are. I don't want to get old. <laughs> I, I'm really averse to that. I don't like the fact that I'm getting old. And you hear so much, you know, I say that to myself. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that. And I don't like it that I can't do the things that I was able to do. Or I used to be a certain way, but now I'm a different way. And I wish I, I, wish I weren't like this. So we can be averse to our own nature in many ways, as much as we can be averse to things outside of ourselves. So if aversion is a reaction that doesn't want things to be the way they are, the response is often I'm going to take control. I'm going to, to manipulate things so that they are the way I want them to be. And so what arises out of aversion is a kind of code of conduct which tries to master and control the world, the situations that we're in. Even something as simple as naming something is an effort to control. I don't know what this is and I don't like it. <laughs> but if I find a name for it, then I have, a con I, I have some control. I feel better about it. Something's going on with me that I don't understand. But if I have a diagnosis, then I feel better because I feel I have some control over it. So I've had some fun in trying to develop some, you might say, rules of conduct that might express this ethics of the ego trying to control and master situations. So here are some of the guidelines that might sound familiar. Sometimes you have to kill others to achieve peace. especially if you can't force them to surrender. 
So sometimes we need war in order to have peace. Whenever possible, speak power to truth. Not the other way around. We often say speak truth to power, but in the case of mastery and control, you wanna speak power to truth. Everyone is out for themselves. So don't allow anyone else to gain an advantage. Always be on the offensive. Sometimes brute force is the best winning strategy. Don't trust anyone. Manipulate people and circumstances to move in your favor. Don't just win. Make sure your adversary can never challenge you again. By the way, I, I once heard a broadcast um, about and maybe Ango, you, you can, as an anthropologist, you can respond to this, but someone uh, talked about the fact that when ducks, when you see ducks fighting on a pond or territorial, um, territorial competition, once it's clear that one or another side has won, they just kind of flap their wings and 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 uh, shake off the water, and then they go on uh, on their separate ways. But it's the human species that doesn't quite settle for the victory. They have to kind of rub the nose <laughs> of the rub the nose of the 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 um, the one who has surrendered in it. It's just, we, we don't just shake off a victory. We really have to make sure that our opponent is completely demolished. So protect your power at all costs. Be strong. How, how many times I've heard that? Be strong. Act as if you are invincible, even though you feel weak. Being number one is non-negotiable. That's Penn State. We're number one. Number one. Complicate and, and confuse those around you so no one can figure you out. Gives you the advantage. So I'm sure you can come up with some of the rules of conduct to master and control situations, people, 
and yourself. We, we, we have all these self-help books, you know, we can't really accept the way we are. It's, you know, we're too fat, we're too, we're too, um, we're not muscular enough. Uh, our hair is, is too gray. You know, we do, there's something wrong with us. And we have to, we, we have to change, we have to master it. We have to control it. So, you know, I got gray, gray hair. I know that's not good. <laughs> Can't accept that. So I got a, I got a diet. And, and you can see this throughout, throughout our culture. And this refusal to accept what is, especially if it challenges the ego, this constructed self, this is like institutionalized in militarism. In the fact that we go to war with just about everything that threatens us. We have a war against drugs. We have a war against cancer. Our sports are often described in terms of war. Even children playing video games are always shooting, you know, at destroying things, destroying cities, destroying, what do they call them, icons or whatever's running around on the screen, uh, killing those things. We're in competition. We're sort of always in a kind of adversarial relationship. I have a war against squirrels who eat all the bird food. <laughs> We're, you know, with these wonderful deer who are eating your hostas. I'm a war at, at war with them. <laughs> you know, the war against nature. It's 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 in our blood. And it's within us too. How often do we hear each other say, well, part of me wants to do this. And then part of me <laughs> wants to do exactly the opposite. And I'm always fighting with myself. Should I do that? Should I do that? And which side wins? I should do this, but I want to do this. And I'm fighting all the time. So isn't it interesting that things that are what we call positive seem to kind of slip, slip away from us like Teflon, you know, that we can't quite get enough praise or attention. Uh, and we, when we get that, it's, you know, okay, yeah, we just sort of absorb it. But the slightest negative comment, the slightest criticism, the slightest annoyance just sticks to us. 
like Velcro. <laughs> so we have this kind of, we expect all of this, all the world to go as we want it. And as long as it does, it all slips off us like Teflon. But as soon as something comes along, that dripping faucet, that animal that comes in and disturbs our meditation, the deer that's eating the hostas, it's like Velcro. <laughs> that person said that criticized me. I just can't forget that. It just sticks. Sometimes in, in biology or in, in anthropology, it's called a negative bias, that we have a negative bias, that we're, that we're drawn, we somehow drawn to pay more attention to the negativity in our lives. And we're always on the defensive about that and trying to control it. Mastery and control. So this anger, this aversion, which sometimes turns into hatred, fury and rage, can become an intoxicant. It sticks to us and we can't get, off, get it, off, pull it off. And we bond with other people, with other situations, which affirm, confirm and escalate that, that aversion that we have. And we become, as you can see in crowds, angry crowds, mobs, how easily anger, hatred, rage can escalate and be intoxicating. Oddly, you know, anger, aversion, and rage make us feel alive much more so than peace, than contentment. They are exciting. In fact, I think that one of the signs of life in, in an, an animal or any living thing is if you poke it and it's irritable, it reacts, it's alive. <laughs> if you poke it and it just doesn't react, it, there's something wrong. It might be dead. <laughs> so irritability is a kind of sign of life. And sometimes we enjoy being poked. <laughs> I call this negative intimacy. Sometimes people in relationships love to fight <laughs> because it makes them feel alive. And there is an intimate connection 
when people are feeling angry with each other because they know the buttons. They, they, they know those intimate little buttons that they can press to get that person to be irritable. And so there's a weird sense of life-giving quality to when we are angry. So when, <laughs> in our practice, when you are poked, you can respond with anger and irritability, or you can respond with gratitude. I feel alive. Thank you for helping me feel alive. In fact, you know, there's this old story of the Zen master woman, a woman Zen master, mistress, Zen, Zen mistress, who would always give the advice to anyone who was suffering. Always, always say, thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. No matter what. Especially the, those things that poke at us, that try to trigger our anger, try to trigger our aversion. Is it possible to realize that this, this aversion is a way of enlivening us without having to express anger. It's an option. It's an, a, an option, a free option that we have that we can respond with an escalation of that irritability, which makes us feel, yeah, something's going on here. I'm reacting. I'm reacting. I don't like it. And having that escalate into you're to blame. You made me angry. No one can make you angry. No one can make you angry, right? But you can escalate into becoming more angry and then other people, you know, you can convince them to become angry and escalate it into rage and fury and then war. Or you are free to take that irritability and say, ah, yeah, I'm alive. Thank you very much for poking me because <laughs> I've just become too complacent. <laughs> I've just become too much like a contented cow thinking that everything's always going my way and that I'm just a wonderful, perfect person. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever.